Hello, I'm Sammy. And I'm Jude. And this is the Past Imperfect Podcast. The alchemy of transforming trauma. <laughs> we did it the same way again. <laughs> Always. Good morning. Yeah, we are here today in Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're in a live location in Glastonbury with, well, we've got a very special guest today. But before we introduce our very special guest, I know. Um, how are you today, Jude? Well, I'm all right. Um... I feel like everything is in flux. I'm in a big time of change. And at the same time, nothing is moving. And yet everything's moving. So I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone away anywhere. But everything's changing at the same time. So I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a funny space, but in a, in a good one, I think. Mm-hmm. And I've had a little cry today a couple of times already. Oh, me too. I'm quite emotional. Me too. Yeah. I'm all okay. over the shop. Go on then, tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a start, I'm on the blob, so I know that's not the most. <laughs> I know that's not the most eloquent ways of explaining that. Um, oh yeah, just and I'm finding, like, I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm just coming to that sort of. I think I'm sort of. I'm going. Through, starting to go through the change. Are you? Oh, well, I think so, because I'm finding it difficult to sleep. I'm finding myself finding it really hot at night. My feet are sort of tingling. And, and so I'm just feeling weird. So mm. when and I'm, and I'm also really taking more... Um, I wish I'd realised this sooner, but I've started to take more notice of my cycle. Yeah. And I've been charting it and things like that. So I am really noticing what's going on a lot more. Um, so I've... And I've been mega... I've been mega premenstrual this time. It's sort of... Sometimes it's not so bad, but this time it's been... And the stuff that's coming up for me in that process is actually it's it's quite confronting and a lot of it is to do with the trauma stuff that we talk about is a lot of it's related to narcissism and I can become I don't know what the word is I can become super focused on it in, in my PMS I don't know yeah. if that, is it PMS PMT it's whatever you like <laughs> I'm not going to contradict you <laughs> well you know just the, the moon cup overfloweth you know like. <laughs> yeah so I'm a bit like that I'm sure people yeah can relate to that or not but yeah that's how I am I'm a bit all over the shop a bit teary yeah. but really happy to be here with you too yeah yeah so let's announce <laughs> not only the secret other person but just in case you hear any smacky sounds I've actually got a dog in the house yeah <laughs> and, and she's been silent until we started recording and now she's like doing lovely yawns and now she's completely silent obviously anyway if you hear funny noises, that's probably who it is. Or it might be Joanna Jane Delves. <laughs> Making little smacky noises. Making little smacky noises. So It won't be the first time. <laughs> I'm really excited. This is our first interview of an other person apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really excited that it's you, Joanna. Joanna Jane's, Jane Delves, who is, in my world, one of the most cosmic people I've ever met. And also one of the most grounded and straightforward. When we do work together, she gets to the point like nobody else, but always with such nurture and gentleness. But clarity, you can't miss your point. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. High praise indeed. Yeah. And uh, thanks for having me. It's a, yeah, it's a real pleasure to, to be a part of this. It's, uh, you guys are doing extraordinary work and I know people are really appreciating it and responding well to it. So yeah, this is really exciting. It is exciting and it's so good to have you here. I mean, I was just going to say I haven't worked with you, but of course I haven't. We've been friends for a, quite a few years now and, mm. and, and you have actually been one of the one of the key people that helped through 
you know, the times that I went through over the last few years where I was having my challenge, really challenging moments. And, you know, it, 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 you really helped me incredibly to sort of through that process. And so mm. oh, massive okay. gratitude for you and your wisdom and your beauty. And oh, oh. right back at you. I mean, it's, you know, mm. it's such a joy to be with two of my favorite people in the whole world and my favorite dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, no, it's been a gift over the years to, you know, I think we've all really, really helped each other. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to be able to, to share the journeys with other people, isn't it? So, yeah, um, definitely. So, obviously, as you know, being one of our champions, we do a podcast about trauma and narcissism and recovery. So where do you fit in with that, Joanna Jane Dolls? <laughs> Tell us a bit about your background and um, your recovery. Okay. Um, I mean, most of my trauma has uh, has come from grief. You know, I um, I lost my mum when I was an infant, and um, that separation was particularly difficult, um, and I had lasting effects throughout my adult life. And I was raised by my grandparents, um, both of which passed during my childhood as well. So um, I experienced a lot of uh, a lot of death at quite an early age. Um, and my grandfather had, you know, quite serious mental health issues as well and was probably, um, you know, a narcissist too. Um, so, yeah, um, it definitely had lasting effects. Um, and the way my trauma presented itself um, for, well, decades, I suppose, certainly my childhood, my teens, was in the form of depression. I suffered a very serious manic depression, um, resulted in things like suicide attempts and self-harm and all sorts of things mm. um and it wasn't really until my late 20s that I actually started to really realize just you know how I had I was living in just a permanent state of depression it becomes like a default setting when you don't really know anything else and um and it was then in, in my late 20s that I started to realize you know there are people who are actually happy it's actually possible to live your life as a happy person and, and then I started to take take it all very very seriously I started to become very determined to to heal from my trauma and to try and actually create a happy life for myself instead mm. of just you know living in this perpetual state of um, depression so and that was when the work really began in earnest. Did you think of it as trauma I mean I know that's a word that obviously we say 20 times a day but it, and it's it's a word that people resonate with now but when you decided to work with it did you think this is trauma and I need to resolve it. I mean, I think it's, you know, like you guys have mentioned in the past, you know, when you're a child and you don't, you don't have a point of reference necessarily that there's anything outside of, you know, the experience you have, a family life or whatever, you know, it's what's normal to you. So, you know, it's, it's not generally until I think later in life that you start to see, um, that it's not It's not me either. <laughs> uh, perfect timing, dog. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, you know, you you don't really perceive it as trauma, you know. I think at that point, and um, and it's one of those things that you know you find you when you when you meet a person for the first time, you're getting to know them, and you you know you you share your life stories with people, and when you get that response from people, and you you've told them about your life, and they're like oh my god that's that's terrible or that's so sad or you know you get these dramatic responses from people that you start to go 
shit, people, people really think I've had a really rough time. Today, you know, it's like, and it's really, I think, then that you start to go, okay, this, yeah, maybe that was actually quite serious, serious stuff. But again, I, I definitely, I, I didn't, I didn't even realize that being happy was a possibility. I had never experienced right. it genuinely. I had never experienced it, and I didn't realize that was the case until the very first time I did experience it, and I was like, oh my god, this what? is. What happiness feels like. And when, when was that? I think I was about 27 or so at the time. And I was actually on a beach in Turkey. And I was sitting in the ocean, in the Mediterranean Ocean. And it was the first time that I had properly travelled. I had been sort of just, you know, Ireland at the British Isles. I had never really travelled further afield than that. And so it was the first time. I was so far away from home, so far away from my life, you know, and everything in it. And I remember sitting in the sunshine with the feeling of the Mediterranean. And suddenly this this sensation coming over me and it was happiness and I was so overwhelmed by it and I was like wow this this is actual happiness this is what people feel like and it was almost like in tasting that it just it set my determination then that it's like I'm I'm, I've got to change my life I've got to change my way of being I want to be a happy person and you know it's taken a lot of it's taken a lot of hard work and a lot of uh commitment to the process but now I'm like the happiest person in the whole world so yeah, and you actually really are I actually right? am right <laughs> shining shining diamond yeah I, I hadn't seen I, I, we met up a couple was it when was it you came to London was it a couple a year ago two years ago and we hadn't seen each other for a little yeah. while so just about a year ago wasn't it a year ago I think yeah, yeah and I hadn't seen you for a little while and I remember see, seeing you walking on a I, I was just blown away. You were like a, a shining angel. And it, we were walking around London and I could see people completely staring at you because you were giving off this this light around you. And it was after you'd been um, on your yeah, your time... Your little pilgrimage. Your pilgrimage away. But we can <laughs> yeah, talk about that more in a minute. But <laughs> yeah. um, when you were saying about that you... When you had that experience of happiness and it gave you that real inspiration to want to sort of make those changes, yeah. wh- where did you go from there? Um, so from that point, um, I I think I just, I really started to just pay attention to it. You know, I started to really, um, I started to look at my depression as an abnormality instead of it just being a natural way of being. Um, and I started to really focus on happiness as being what the default setting should be, which it kind of is. You know, it is, we're supposed to be happy beings. Like when we're not weighed down by all of our life experiences, you know, we, we should be having an beautiful lives right you know mm-hmm. um so and yeah i mean that's and obviously that's a that's a real that's a real leap for some people to even acknowledge you know so the bedrock of it i think for me i mean i've gone through various different healing modalities you know which we can talk further about but i think at the very bedrock of it's about self-love mm. and this was something that i had absolutely none of you know and i think for a lot of people again this is the case they can live their entire lives not only not experiencing self-love, but actually experiencing real self-loathing, you know, real levels of self-hatred that has just developed over their, their, you know, their childhoods or teen years and just become more and more exacerbated as time goes on. So to start moving in the opposite direction of that level of self-loathing that I held, that's it's been the bedrock and it's been a daily practice. I think it has to be um, because it has to be so incremental. You know, it's such a leap from self-loathing to self-love that you have to just take it just one step at a time every day, making it a little bit better and a little bit better until eventually you reach a place of self-love. And that's just the beginning, (laughs) you know, because then you're on the ever deepening journey 
of self-love yeah. and that's where the you know that's where the that's where the gold is i think that's where the real levels of like consciousness expansion and stuff really start to happen is when you know you can really you can really start to discover yourself you know and how infinite you are when you can hold yourself in those levels of of love so that's been probably the biggest part of the process for me has been really cultivating that mm-hmm. and that of course has been has meant that all of the things that i held within the realm of self-loathing I've had to face each thing one by one I've had to look at it and of course most of them came from trauma so it's been looking at each each kernel of self-loathing and seeing like why is that there um the experience that I had that led to that can can I let go can I you know release the emotional charge from that experience and can I um no, no longer hold it as as a form of truth that because this experience happened I should then hate myself. I should then loathe myself. Can I let go of that as being my belief system? So it's been gradual steps all the way along. I mean, it's t- I've been on this path for quite a few years now, so... Mm. But every single moment of it has been worthwhile. What I love about that is that you're not buying into the myth of quick fixes. No. You know? You're not... There, there's so much self-help, of course, because I've read most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's not entirely true. You've read. I've read loads of it. You've read a lot. Uh, not just self help, but but books about all sorts of things. Yeah, narcissism. But yeah, there's and it, there's so much offering of quick fixes. And when you said you're gonna, um, we're supposed to be living beautiful lives. It's like God. If you look at the media, the idea is actually we're not supposed to be. We're kind of sold that you'd be suffering. You, you, we're supposed to believe that we're not living beautiful lives, and we need to do something. Maybe, or we need to maybe buy, buy something, something yeah. to yeah. become worthy of that life, or to sure. to, to, or to feel. Feel. And so, what a lot of media and marketing is doing is saying, "Oh, where's the gap? Where's the gap?" And yeah. actually, that's what you're saying. You're saying, "Where's the gap? How can you love it?" Instead of exactly. how can you fill it with a new product? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it never gets filled with with other <laughs> things. It, that's that's no, the reality, and that's of course the whole. <laughs> that's the whole. The whole beauty of capitalism is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that the gap never gets filled by external things. It all has to happen internally. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that again is a very foundational level of truth for me. That you know you have to change the inside if you want any change to happen on the outside. Yeah. So within. So without. So one of the things that I think of as a mantra in the stuff that you say is that you you never buy in. When I come to you with a story, you never buy into the story. If mm-hmm. I come, oh, this is happening and so-and-so said this and it's really difficult, <laughs> you, you always say, and where is that in you? Mm. And what's that reflecting from what you believe about yourself? Yeah. What's in there? What's in there? And it's so simple and so calm. And it's like, I imagine myself as a small child coming up going, mommy, mommy. And you just go, hmm, what's going on? What's yeah. going on, sweetheart? What do you actually need? And it's so calming and it's so lovely. And it and it also puts the responsibility so roundly on me without any blame or any judgment. Yeah. I mean, again, I think you guys have mentioned this in, in other episodes of, you know, how... Um, when you can when you can reach that place with your trauma where you can take responsibility where you can start to really own you know what is my part in this you know or why why has that occurred what is it trying to show me about myself that needs to be healed or mm-hmm. that could be you know operating at a better level than it's operating right now um so w- when you can really operate from that place 
then everything that's happening in your reality is a gift because it's showing you, you know, if you're having difficulty with a person and it's happening at a certain level, that, that experience is, is showing you exactly what's still going on inside of you that could be shifted, that could be, you know, tweaked. I mean, we're always obviously in a state of complete perfection in every given moment. We're always the perfect amalgamation of our life experiences, but we could be operating from a place of more happiness. So what can be shift to create more happiness? So, you know, if there's still an old program running in us that's playing out with this person in our external reality, and, you know, they're mirroring this for us, they're, they're, you know, they're showing us where this is if we take the time to address it, to really sit with it. The process becomes really simple from that point on. Identify the program, look at where it's come from. These things always go back to childhood, inevitably. Even the traumas we've endured in adulthood, you know, the emotional signature will be found somewhere in our childhood as well. Mm -hmm. So the root of it is usually going to be found in a childhood memory. Possibly we won't even remember it, it'll just be the energy of it that's in our body. But when we can get to that place and when we can identify it, a lot of the time it's about giving it our presence. You know, we spend so much of our lives suppressing emotion. I mean, again, you mentioned this, I think, last week, Sammy, when you talked about, you know, if, if, if a toddler is, is crying and, you know, you say, here, have a cookie. Don't cry, have a cookie. Don't feel the pain. Have something external, you know, to numb the pain. And we've we've learned that from such a an early age that you know we felt compelled to just suppress all levels of emotion because we haven't been taught how to deal with emotion. And emotion's really simple. Emotion is just energy. It's mm. just energy passing through. When we can allow it and just be with it, it can just pass through. We feel it. We release it. It's gone. But when we have it suppressed in our bodies for years and years and years and years because we're terrified to look at it, um, that's really the first step. Is get into that place where you're willing to go okay this may not feel nice but god it's got to be better to look at it than to keep living with the old programs keep living with the old limited beliefs and and you know repercussions of the wounds and whatnot so mm. oh yeah wow yeah as always you're blowing my mind a little bit joanna <laughs> me too yeah um so you've talked about how you overcome it in that fundamentally you sit with your emotion and you are present with it. Mm -hmm. You're not even trying to get rid of it. You say you're trying no. to release it, you're trying to allow things to shift, but you're not You're not shunning it. You're not going, get out of my body, get out of my... Yeah, you're not making an enemy, an enemy of it, which you know mm -hmm. almost feels like a, how we've operated for most of our lives. Is to, I mean, look at how we medicate ourselves against our feelings. Literally, pretty much everything we do, we're <laughs> medicating ourselves against, against just feeling our emotions. But when we're just in a place of surrender and allowing and just letting them come up, you know, it's it's actually such a simple process to, to feel emotions and then to release them, you know. And of course, it can feel a lot more difficult when they are long-held, suppressed emotions. You know, it can feel more like a maybe an avalanche coming up rather than just a, a simple flowing emotion. But you know, it's still most of the battle is in making that choice to turn around and face it like the the proverbial monster in the nightmare you know you'll, yeah. you'll keep running and running and and the idea of just turning back and facing it seems like the most daunting thing in the world but then when you turn around and face it it's it's never as bad as you think it's going to be not that's even so when it's a tapeworm coming out of your foot for hours and hours and hours oh that's oh. That's really? Yeah. Wow. It, it's all <laughs> the, the monster. But it wasn't as bad as I thought. 
That's that's so interesting. Yeah, Digressing, sorry. Did that happen in real silly. life or in a dream? No, that was in a dream. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know yeah. about this. Gosh, Where did you sad. get that? Where did you pick that up? What? The tapeworm. It was, I was, no, it was a dream. I was, oh, it was, I was a dream. <laughs> it was a dream. It, it was, was a dream. dream. It was, that was the monster. Oh. I, was, I digress. digress. <laughs> Do you know, I'm curious, when you, when you said um, about, um, you know, turning around and, and facing the monster, so at what point did you start to work in that way and what helped you to come to that, you know, through that process of, of, of realising that's the way that I can work with this stuff? How did you come to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, I started to... I started to listen to a lot of, you know, various sort of things like spiritual teachers and things like that. Um, I'm going back maybe, I don't know, 12, 15 years or something like that. And I, I just started to understand things in, in different terms. Um, so I started to do, you know, a process called shadow work, which is where, you know, you're you're feeling the, the energy in the body as the as the emotion is presenting itself, you know, oftentimes be that kind of that awful impending doom feeling you get in your tummy or something like that and instead of trying trying to distract yourself you know you you sit with it you know you really give attention to it you know you're looking at it um in terms of does it have a color does it have a shape does it look really given a presence just observing what the energy is like and um and then asking questions of it saying you know what do you have to show me what do you have to teach me you know and oftentimes it would present maybe an image or something that would take me back to a place in childhood um, that it would just start to sort of make sense on a mental level. It's like, what what is this that's actually arising in me, you know? And so literally just, just really committing to processes like that, where again, like on a daily basis, as, some, as you feel an energy arise, going, okay, this this needs to be looked at. Um, and just, yeah, just given at that sort of level of dedication that, you know, each time something would come up. Um, and, you know, there were points where that was really, really difficult, but with, with persistent use, you know, it gets easier and easier. Um, and then after um, after a long term relationship uh, ended, and the business that I had closed down all within one month, <laughs> like my life just completely went into total collapse within a short space of time. Um, then I felt really drawn to um, experiencing psychotropic plant medicine, um, ayahuasca in particular, um, and yeah, I just I felt really drawn to to just healing in that way um I had I had done a lot of research on it and you know they had described it as being able to sort of clear huge amounts of you know emotional stuff and trauma in like a very short space of time so I engaged with that for a while and and yeah and again I found that really really helpful it really helped to just sort of expand my limited beliefs the beliefs that I had held around my trauma beliefs like I'm never going to be healed. I'm never going to be happy. I'm going to be living with this condition forever, you know. And and just by engaging, you know, expanding my consciousness into a realm that you can you can just see that actually we're we're infinite and we're divine love. And of course you can of course you can be happy and of course you can heal these these things are temporary. These things happen in your life to show you and to teach you things and so that you could become strong and resilient and you could learn all of these lessons and skills and and ultimately that you could expand your consciousness beyond the limitations that you once held. Um so that was has been a, a really important part of my my healing journey as well mm, that's um i'm sort of infinitely grateful to to have had those experiences you know those plants were particularly helpful um and also really helpful in uh just really opening my heart to again higher levels of love than i had ever experienced before you know i mean i've always felt love as very much my you know the the essence of who i was but i never realized just how vast how expansive love could actually be 
Um, and, and that's, again, that's a journey that never ends. Again, that's the journey of self-love as well. You know, it's something that just gets vaster and vaster every single day with this journey, with this exact journey of like freeing ourselves from the traumas of the past, really, really learning to love ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I, again, I'm repeating myself a bit, but one thing I noticed with you is you just haven't got any interest in the drama. Mm. have you you just have no you've got interest in the love of it and the res resolution of it and you've mentioned determination and and yeah and kind of perseverance a few times and you just you've you committed to that and so yeah. you haven't got it's no longer resonant with you no the that thing frequency that frequency is no wrong, longer appealing to you yeah that's true i mean, I mean the thing that i have found um the more i've engaged with this journey is when you when you look at the stories of your 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 past and your childhood, you know the more you work with them, the more you clear the emotional charge behind these stories. You know, and that may mean you know, healing relationships with people from the past or you know whatever. But you're clearing the emotional charge behind it, and the more of that you release, you reach a place where they're just stories. They're just stories. Yeah. You know, and you can you can you can relay the story to somebody else, and you no longer feel that sort of catch in your throat or that mm. urge to cry or that sense of trauma or drama or anything else that may have once been in it. They just become stories. They become these beautiful healing lessons that yeah. you've had in your life, mm. and and yeah, I mean, eventually you just live in a totally drama-free place because you see everything as stories. Um, and it's gifts. As a gift, talking as a divine. You, you, gifts, you're yeah. one of the people who doesn't because you know. <laughs> It's a great spiritual bypassing thing to say, oh, yeah, you know, see it as a gift. But you do see it as a gift. You're yeah. like, how do you work with this? This is up for you to work with now. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's all very well somebody saying seeing it's a gift when they've just robbed you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're really, your integrity on that is really clear. Yeah. Every, and that's everything is a gift everything is a gift and you know you can find the value mm -hmm. in absolutely everything and i think where spiritual bypassing comes in is that you know you can declare it as being a gift but not necessarily do the work with the gift and finding out where its treasure lies you can just sort of almost brush it off as being mm -hmm. well it was a gift but yeah, actually yeah. it's you know it's really engaging with whatever lesson is presenting however that gift is presenting itself you know finding you know where is the treasure in that gift you know what can you clear in yourself what can you release you know what can you let go of you know what limiting beliefs were you still holding that you can now free yourself from you yeah. know uh, well just that that was the big thing that i got through when, when i when i had that realization about my experience the, the narcissistic abuse experience was the one that particularly highlighted it for me but realizing you know even like my journey with alcohol you know that the thing that breaks broke me was the thing that woke me and it sounds so cliche but it's true and but you do have to do the work and that's where the taking personal radical responsibility for your healing yeah. and your trauma comes in because we can talk about it we can read about it we can read all the books in the world but if we don't ever sit down and face it and do it yeah then we're still just talking about it and I, you know, I love the way you said that they, they just become stories and like, mm. like I, you know, when I think back to, I look back on my stuff now just with a smile on my face and like gratitude for it. But also, you know, I've come to a place where I can find some of it quite funny yeah. and have compassion for the, you know, the, 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 the younger version of me that just didn't, that was just so unconscious and yeah. asleep and, and just yeah. see it as a real, I don't know. Yeah, and there's great wisdom in that, isn't it? You know, to be able to look at the younger version of yourself, and again, it's all about it's self love. It's been able to look at that person and and, and see 
wow, like she was doing the very best she could. Yeah. You know, she may have done things that right, you know, now at this point in my life, I wouldn't repeat those things in a million years, you know, but back then she was doing from the place of consciousness she was at, she did the very, very best that she could. Yeah. And actually, that's all anyone is ever doing yeah. in any given moment. They're doing the best they can from the place they're at in that moment. They're the perfect amalgamation of their life experiences. And that means if they're totally fucked up and they're doing really awful, terrible things, they're actually doing the best they can. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and that's, I think, how we just, again, it's, a, it's, it's just expanding into that love, isn't it? Having love for everybody where they are. It doesn't mean you need to be friends with them or have a relationship with them <laughs> like that. But you can appreciate that they're doing the, the best that they could. And I think maybe it's Mary Angelou or something that said, you know, you do you do the best you can from where you are. And when you know better, then you do better. Yeah. And that's all we can do. That's so all anybody can, can yeah. do. You know, everybody is ultimately just trying to get home. We're all suffering with the same inherent wound, which is our sense of separation. We come into this life and we fall into this illusion of being separated from our source, you know, from that, that pure cosmic field of divine love that we're all a part of. Mm. We're in the illusion of separation. And that is our original wound. Everything comes back to that. Every terrible thing people might do in life, we're all just trying to get home. We're trying to get back to that feeling of home. Yeah. To that sense of oneness again. So we can have love for everybody where they're at because yeah. they're doing their best. And you've just given me another epiphany about when you said when you're loving, self-love is not just I love myself now. It's looking back and saying that person there. Oh, no, she's made me cry now because she's crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, that person there, she's a sweetheart and she was doing her best. Yeah. So in a way, it's easier it can be easier to look back and see her or him and say, mm. oh, I can love you. I can see how you were doing your best. Yeah. yeah. And but, time doesn't exist anyway. But so. also <laughs> to be able to then extend that compassion to everyone in your life yeah. that delivered your wounds to you, if you want to see it like that, that thing of, you know, the every, you can extend that level of, that's about what you were just saying about expanding love. Yeah. You can then see yourself in that in that with that compassion but yeah, then you yeah. can also start to recognize other people yeah in the same way and then yeah uh, and of course there's, there's, and there's a process to that you know because of course if you've if you've experienced something really horrific at the hand of somebody else you can't jump straight into a place of loving and understanding them yeah. you know you have to give yourself time to to feel hurt to feel trauma to feel victimized to feel all of these different things you have to give yourself enough self-love to be able to feel all of those things and process all of those emotions and then when you're ready further down the road you know when you've really worked through all of your hurt and then seen where you're you know where this has come from within you then you can start to cultivate that understanding and love for that person you can start to maybe view them less as a perpetrator or whatever it may be but that's a process and you can't skip any of the steps in that process because you're doing a disservice to yourself mm. to 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 skip any of those steps mm. yeah and, and I, I remember from you know when i had my two experiences recently uh I, I, I went into a very victimised um, state about that to start off with. And if someone had said to me, well, in fact, somebody did say to me, oh, this is just your journey and your lanes, I really did want to punch them in the face. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, 
Yeah, of course. You're you, absolutely right. You have to go through. You have to. Whole... You have to give yourself space for that. Yeah. Right? To to feel that the suffering that's come through that experience, you know, particularly if it's something like an attack of some kind, you know, you can't jump to forgiveness. I think you know, in in the sort of self help spiritually kind of world, we we have this idea of forgiveness as being like, oh, well, that's the right thing to do and stuff, and it's like, well, that's kind of actually quite late in the process. Yeah. You know, you can't jump to forgiveness. You can't force yourself to forgive before you're ready. Because it's like saying that person's feelings are more important than your feelings. That's just not true. Yeah. You know, so you have to allow forgiveness to come in Mm -hmm. its own time naturally because you've done enough processing of your own emotions Mm -hmm. to eventually land in that place. You can't force that. And in spiritual communities, this is one of the reasons why it's so difficult for people to speak out about about um, yeah. abuses that happen within those particular contexts because yeah. um, you are it's often flipped straight back onto you that you have to get to that place straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was your lesson. What did you part do you play in this? Yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Like, this is too much too soon. Like, there's a, there's a lot going on here. And yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of steps, you know, and each one has to be honoured. And I always bring it back to the inner child. Look, for me, inner child work is, you know, it's, you know, it's a huge part of all of this. Um, And it's, you know, recognising that, you know, when you're harsh with yourself, when you, you know, casting judgments on yourself or or like that when you're like pushing yourself to forgive before you're ready or whatever it may be it's like looking at yourself as that little child within and telling that small child your feelings don't actually matter and what you need is irrelevant and you know everything else is more important than you Mm -hmm. and you know if we can if we can really recognize that you know because for a lot of us particularly when on on the journey of self-love and when that still feels like quite a quite a leap for us to get to you know it can be a lot easier for us to feel love towards ourselves as a small child than for ourselves as an adult Mm. you know it can be much much easier so um so yeah just recognizing that all of those sort of self-criticisms and those harsh judgments that we make towards ourselves we're making it towards a very small child inside of ourselves that really needs our love and our attention and our understanding and like any little child does you know yeah yeah and something you remind me of day every time i speak to you is like it's a daily practice it's mm. not a quick thing yeah so my subconscious has coughed up a nice little metaphor for going and skipping to <laughs> forgiveness too soon, which is that which is trying to put the icing on the cake before you've baked the fucking cake. Oh, oh yeah. that's wow! Perfect. I know, yeah. isn't that? Hey, trying to put the yeah. icing on. The... Yeah, Ooh, it's like yeah. Heart, you've got to bake the cake, and to do that, you've got to buy the ingredients and measure it out and do it. Yeah. yeah. No, there's another one. Um, I think uh, someone describes it as you can't um, you can't drive a Ferrari into a garage that's got a rusty old banger parked in it. You have to clear out the oh. you have to clear out the old banger before you can drive the Ferrari. In terms of like you know energy and like working mm. with trauma inside your body, you know you can't just expect you know like that thing of the the law of attraction. If I just believe all this stuff, mm. then good things will happen for me. But actually, if you haven't yeah. done the work to clear out the the belief systems and the trauma that's trapped in your body first. Well, there's you can't bring that you can't bring that stuff in if you've not worked to get the stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But if if I understand rightly, then the process of that, if I'm doing uh, all the attracting and there's no room for my Ferrari, yeah, or there's no basis for my icing, then that's going to come up as an as a as a lack of resonance, and that's where you would say everything is the perfect amalgamation and what is this feeling and what's this yeah 
clash what's this uh, dissonance that's happening mm-hmm. and how do we love it into relaxation yeah nice one yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so on that note then <laughs> how how do we do that so joanna with the work that you do now mm-hmm. where is the where is all where is all your learnings and your journey where has it brought you to now and how, how are you working with that and what you're doing okay yeah um I mean, really, I, I kind of just help other people to go through the, you know, the experiences that, that I've gone through to help mm. them through the same types of processes. You know, recognising where the old programming is, you know, it can be a lot easier to, to do that work with, with somebody else. You know, obviously, we, we're, so, we're so much better at seeing other people's stuff, aren't we, <laughs> than seeing it ourselves. <laughs> so <laughs> it, can just be, it can just be an easier process, you know, and it can actually be quite a simple process to break through old programming, old limited beliefs, um, you know, and, and an exercise that I recommend to people is um, that, you know, for just the next 30 seconds, you suspend your disbelief. And just for 30 seconds, you believe you're in a limitless universe where anything can happen and that you could actually be living without that wound, without that trauma. What does that feel like? What does it feel like for 30 seconds? That's all. After 30 seconds, you can go straight back to believing everything is limited and finite and everything sucks and whatever you want. But just for 30 seconds to just suspend disbelief, be in a beautiful, limitless universe. What does it feel like to be there? And it sounds like a really simple thing, but actually it's, you know, really, really, it's quite profound. And it really helps to expand the consciousness again beyond the places that we have been living in into a place that we could be living in. Um, So it really, really helps to, yeah, to just really, to just break ourselves out of even just for 30 seconds. But, you know, if you did that even once a day, every day, you'd start to see things shift externally. Yeah. And, and neurologically speaking your brain doesn't know the difference between an experience that it dreams up and experiences and many people would say that there is no difference and it's all an illusion anyway Mm. that's my favorite thing to talk about (laughs) we'll probably do a whole episode about that about the whole idea of illusion anyway but yeah, so if I've, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> no, but you're way. right. You know, the, the brain and the body yeah. doesn't know the difference between yeah. a real event happening and 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 a, and, a, and a vision or imaginings or a dream. You know, like it, it processes it in the same way. Yeah. And so you can. Yeah, exactly. It does work. Yes, yeah. So and this is kind of the point in the in the exercise is that you're actually you know expanding you know the the limitations you've had on your yeah. neurocircuitry. You're actually expanding beyond it, even just a little bit. You know, but a little bit done very consistently makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. And that's, in a way, that's a beautiful paradox about the law of attraction. Because if you go to the law, the law of attraction thinking, I want this thing, then that's the law of lack. lack. Mm. Whereas if you go to, in a way, that's what you're doing. You're saying, I'm experiencing this thing now. Mm-hmm. And I'm experiencing it with curiosity and like oh well what would it what does it feel like yeah to live in this universe for 30 seconds mm. and it's manageable and there's no pressure yeah and you don't you have no expectations from it you're mm. not expecting something you know to to materialize or anything else like that you're just suspending disbelief yeah just for a little well, just to see what happens yeah oh, I, I love that me too yeah. super powerful and only if you do it I can like that. I mean like everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everything. Yeah. I mean yeah. 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 
I think, you know, for a lot of people, the idea of, you know, beginning to work with their trauma, particularly if they're in the early stages of it, you know, it can feel very daunting. You've mentioned this, Jude, about the idea of climbing up a mountain, you know, and you can sort of shift your perception to, as you've put it, you know, walking down the mountain instead, you know, it can feel really, really daunting. But actually, we can do this work just by like, creating little regular practices mm. that we're consistent with every single day and we can see changes occur just from that consistency you know obviously it's fantastic if we do really big dramatic work like ayahuasca or something like that I mean it's fantastic you know but it doesn't have to be that dramatic it can be you know it can be incremental and it can be really really powerful it's just about you know, again the di- most difficult thing I think is making that choice isn't it that yeah. we want to heal we want to we want to live in a different way and that really, to me, that that's the very first step towards self-love. Yeah. When you make the choice to start healing from your trauma, yeah. that's the first step in self-love. Yeah. Wow. And it's a big step. It is a big step. And it's a scary step. But there's lots of people who will help you. It's the thing. There's, you know, there is lots of support out there, isn't there? As well, you guys yeah. have mentioned. And you, know, you, you lots, work in that way as well, don't you? So if people yeah. are resonating with what they're hearing you talking about, you know, we, we're going to um, put Joanna's email address and you can contact Joanna if you want to talk to her about this stuff. She's yeah, an amazing sure, person sure. to work with. Yeah. And I mean, my, my main focus within my own life is, it's, you know, it's all around consciousness expansion. So, you know, that's, uh, that's my passion. That's what drives me is, you know, <laughs> breaking past the parameters into, you know, whole new worlds. And it's um, an incredible journey. Which, you know, I know you guys know a little bit about as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I say, the most cosmic and the most grounded person. You're just um, expanding your consciousness 30 seconds at a time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a slogan. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should do it in a, a movie voiceover voice. Really. Expanding your consciousness 30 seconds at a time. Mm. Yeah. So the the other thing that I really help facilitate people to as well is is a lot of the inner child stuff too. Yeah. Um, it can be helpful to have somebody talk to you through the sort of shadow work process and to really access um, those things and to really just engage with with the inner child again to make that a daily practice. Um, I mean, another thing that I often suggest to people is um, to find a picture of yourself as a small child, one where you're super cute and whatever, and you mm-hmm. know to 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 stick it somewhere you know like somewhere you're going to see it every day, like the mirror you brush your teeth or whatever. And that every day you spend just a few moments just engaging with that child, just just giving that child love, just saying, I love you, I see you, I appreciate you, I appreciate everything you've been through. You know, I know how much you've suffered, I know how hard it's been. And to just offer that love to the, to the inner child. Um, again, for a, a lot of people, that's totally alien concept Mm. you know but again it really really helps because um for the most part you know that that wounded child inside of us more than anything it needs our attention you know we're often just seeking that attention and validation externally we're trying to get it from other people and it's never enough it never will be enough it doesn't matter how much of it we get because that child inside of us needs it from us yeah it needs our consistency you know our consistent love and presence and you know, don't we don't we all owe that to ourselves? We do, but how many of us think that? Once, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just speaking from my own realizations of of that thing of like, firstly, not only realizing it, but also not thinking that I deserve it or that I'm I'm worth yeah. making that effort for. Yeah. But you're right; it's not until you make the choice to do it yeah. 
yeah that things will change absolutely yeah Mm. yeah and that choice really is step one and then you can build upon that day by day by day you know you can build upon your self-love you can build upon how much you actually do deserve healing and how much you do deserve a happy life and good things you know these may seem like really extreme concepts in the beginning but gradually bit by bit they, they they'll become second nature and the other thing that's quite interesting is like um i'm noticing this a little bit with um my my daughter is um, that there can be an attachment to some of the trauma in terms mm-hmm. of it can that can bring attention in itself and so it's sure. that thing of where are you wanting to hold on to this story because in some yeah. way it is serving you or you you believe yeah. that it's serving you as in it is bringing you something absolutely um and that's yeah. something that we're working on at the moment and it is it's yeah. I, I, you know I, I relate to it myself yeah oh, attachment to that story of yeah. this is who i am and this is yeah. my place yeah and there is some i don't know value in that yeah yeah and attachment. it's really good to see it and to identify it you know what what am i getting out of this out of hanging on to this that's in any way benefiting me and you know maybe you did maybe you're getting attention from somebody maybe you're you yeah. know maybe you feel like you're special or you're different or you're you know any of these things that may be lacking inherently in you and your self-worth you know so it's really good to see that because i think we can do things from a, you know we tend to do things from a place of total unconsciousness but we can also make the choice to do things from a conscious place where you can identify that and say okay well i'm still hanging on to that I can see that I'm hanging on to it because I'm really enjoying the interaction I'm having with this particular person who's, you know, feeding yeah. this insecurity. So you can do that from a conscious place and and just just don't get bogged down by right or wrong or good or bad about that. Just acknowledge that maybe you're going to do that for as long as you need to do that, but that you're working towards not needing to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, because again, it's it's that thing and it's, you know, I think this is the case with a lot of sort of addictive behaviours and stuff like that is... You know, you can, you can just, you can choose to go cold turkey with something, you know, but, you know, there's a small child inside of you that's using that thing as a crutch. And it's like you're pulling the teddy bear away from that child and saying, you don't need that anymore. It's fine. And it's like, well, actually, maybe you need to be a bit gentler Mm. with that child than that. Maybe you need to allow it to be a gradual process instead of it being full shock value. You know, ah, this is, you know, Mm. this is going to be a very extreme response to something like it's okay to do things incrementally you know mm. it's also okay to do it from the place of total shock if you want I mean, <laughs> there's no good or bad right or wrong here you know but it's just you know yeah for for a lot of people i think particularly who have really you know endured um serious trauma you know gentleness is really yeah. really important yes. you know in the same way that you would treat any small child with just total gentleness and patience and understanding and ultimately love yeah care you know we don't have to treat our adult selves any differently yeah wow joanna you blow my mind still there's one thing i want to ask you about because we've alluded to it but just briefly tell us a little bit about the fact that you disappeared and lived in the forest because <laughs> it's really significant it is this really is significant first of all i want to point out it was in a house in the forest <laughs> because when i say this to people they're like like where in the forest i'm like it wasn't in a tree. I'm not a squirrel. It was, it was yeah. a house. It was, you know, I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it was it was something I've always I've always felt a a calling towards hermitude to some degree. And in a funny way, there's always been that little that little voice in my head that sort of felt like one day I'm going to, you know, I'm going to need to just be just totally by myself for a time. And um, 
and yeah, um, just a couple of years ago, I, I went and spent a year by myself. It was just myself and my dog, um, and in the forest. And yeah, it was an incredibly profound experience. I think if anybody feels, you know, any even just tiny little voice inside them telling them that that would be something good for them that you know at some point in your life it's worth following um i mean it was it was pivotal in again in consciousness expansion for me because to be completely isolated and to just be within my own energy field um to be so withdrawn from basically the rest of humanity it just it just gave me access to just be able to really truly expand um and just connect so deeply with the earth you know for the first duration i was like i kept kind of tuning in you know to sort of my you know my higher self and just kept tuning in and saying what am i supposed to do here truly i'm supposed to do something because everything's about doing something right why would we go anywhere unless we're gonna do something and i just kept getting the same answer back so i just listen to the river and be with the trees and I'd be like, okay, can't be that simple. And I'd ask again, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Surely there's something profound I'm supposed to do. And I was like, just listen to the river, and be with the trees. And then after a couple of weeks, it was like, just listen to the fucking river and be with the trees for the love of Christ. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. <laughs> I kind of submitted to it. <laughs> so I started listening to the river and being with the trees. <laughs> and I mean basically what happened was my whole being just slowed down Mm. it slowed down to the to the speed that the the rest of the the earth independent from the human consciousness the the level that it operates at and I just my entire energy field just slowed all the way down and I just oh my goodness I mean the gifts that came from that are just you know I mean I could I could write a volume of books when I was just I think you you should we'll see Again, it's doing, you know. <laughs> the tree told me just to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a point. Do you know what is cosmic is? As you were telling me this, you're, there's this beautiful picture of a wood, a forest behind you, and I'm just seeing you glowing and these these amazing trees behind you, and it's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's become a, a big part of my life. My my goal actually is to I want to plant a, an ancient woodland in in Ireland. Myself and my sister are planning on doing this. We're gonna we're gonna get some land and we're gonna just put it. A native forest in there and just it's just going to mm. grow forever that's our plans so yeah i'm quite passionate about the forest but um yeah it was it was an amazingly profound experience and and again of course again being in that space without the distraction of of people um you know i mean on positive distractions obviously from people but it it brought I brought up stuff it you know really brought very very deep wounds to the surface it brought all of these things and I just you know had the time and the space to just give it total presence and and again being just within that frequency of you know of the forest of the earth again it just it, it had its own type of healing you know mm. to be in that frequency so I was really able to do some very deep and profound work on every level both releasing my traumas but also expanding into levels of consciousness that yeah. I otherwise you know or otherwise a mystery to me so mm. I do highly recommend it you know and I think obviously for a lot of people of course it's you know maybe people with children or whatever you know their, their people's lives maybe just aren't set up that anything like that would be a possibility but what I think it really demonstrates is the importance of taking even if it's an hour in the day of being able to take an hour of solitude for ourselves 
you know, to just be in our own space and to just really, you know, just engage with our own energy and try and let the rest of the world disappear for a time. You know, the, the great importance of that and the incredible value that comes with doing it. And again, that's such an act of self-love to give yeah. yourself that gift of that time and space. You know, you don't have to become a squirrel and live in the forest, but, you know, you can you can arrange your life in such a way that you can give yourself some amount of, of space and time. Yeah, but that does mean not with Facebook and not with the telly and just with you. Yeah. Just with you. Just with you. Possibly with your dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if it's walking out in nature, I mean, ideally if it's walking out in nature, really, you know, being yeah. with the earth. But, yeah. But I again, think it's not with your headphones on, not with your couch to 5K, just being out, not with your phone. There's, you know, that's that's... For me, that's the discipline. It's, I take my dog for a walk. How present am I even with her mm-hmm. during the whole of the walk? And for a while, I was leaving my phone at home and then I was like, oh, but the sunset's so nice. I'll start taking pictures and then, oh, I'm just going to do this call. And that's when she runs away and rolls in <laughs> But isn't it interesting that we've had this period of lockdown mm-hmm. where this op- this sort of situation yeah. has actually been yeah. forced, forced upon us. Upon. Exactly. For, for many yeah. For many of us, but yeah. again, you know, how many of us, have, 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 myself included, have really taken that time to, to sort of do that mm-hmm. level of being with, just with myself because there's distractions everywhere. Yeah. So it's a real discipline in how it, noticing how addicted we are to this stuff to kind of keep us yeah. functioning on or, or what we believe to be functioning. Sure. But actually what it's doing is unfunctioning us. It's it's yeah. actually um, keep dumbing us down. It's distracting us from ourselves. And it's distracting us, basically, yeah. yeah. But that in itself is a gift, isn't it? Just to see that yeah. and to see like, you know, well, why are you distracting yourself from yourself? What's there that you're so reluctant to see that you don't want to take that time just to be with yourself Mm-hmm. And and being able to take some time just with that in itself, there's 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 healing and there's wisdom to be found just just in that question alone, isn't there? So, you know, she's doing it again, isn't she? <laughs> she's doing it again, getting right to the point, <laughs> gently and clearly. I think we're coming to the end of our podcast. I we're all so. looking a bit meek and, <laughs> and watery eyed, aren't we? I know. Oh, I can't even express. I mean, just sitting here with you for an hour and listening to you talking, um, it's it's really, mm. it's just amazing, honestly. Your wisdom and the, the, the beauty with which you speak your truth, it, it's very powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's, it's a gift and an honour to do this with, with you guys. Thank you. Wow, okay. So, um, we will put... Joanna Jane Dells' email in the footer and we'll be back talking to another wonderful guest, Sue Holmes, on the next episode. Sue's an amazing shamanic healer and we'll be exploring all sorts of things about trauma and memory. But right now, thank you so much, Joanna. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Such a pleasure. And it's also been a pleasure to have you listen to us. So thanks for tuning in and taking the time to listen to the podcast today. If you've enjoyed it and if you've liked it, um, please share it with people that it might resonate with. We've got a Facebook page, Past Imperfect Podcast. We've also got Twitter and um, Instagram. So we've got an email. There's lots of ways that you can contact us and we really would love it if you could um, get involved in the conversation and join in with us. And we love hearing your stories. Over the hill I see the fire burning As in my dream now, real as we are turning So what of love 
the moon and stars are asking While as the fire burns bright the night is passing Wind blowing. 